Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. I'm Tom Hannafin, and sitting in for Matt McGloin is former Penn State offensive tackle Mike Farrell to help us recap Penn State's win against Ohio. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA, but don't forget... Our official beer, the Pater IPA, is available in Funk's tasting rooms right now, and it will be in beer distributors and grocery stores by September 16th. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Paydirt is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in game betting to props and futures. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and place your first bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Pater is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One has the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater word mark over the heart and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season. It is Matt McGloin's name and number. It's very fitting as this season of Nittany Lion football marks the 10-year anniversary of that team. Again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believ.com and search Paydirt for our two t-shirts. I want to thank you all for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College as well as checking out the podcast version of the show presented by the Believe Network, which is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037 at McGloin QB11 and at Tom Hannafin. And of course, tweet at, at Mike Farrell78 because Mike Farrell is doing us a big favor sitting in for Matt McGloin this week because uh, Matt is off for the Big Ten Network. He is covering Purdue versus Indiana State, so he is otherwise detained. But Mike, I'm thrilled to have you here on the show, especially to give a little insight in regards to Penn State's offensive line specifically. Uh, So I'm very excited about that. Some other exciting stuff in the Penn State community before we get to this game recap is that earlier this week, there was an announcement regarding uh, a new NIL collective specifically for the Penn State football program the Lions Legacy Club, and I know you're a very proud supporter of that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Tom. And just to comment quickly on the collective, the the Lions Legacy Club is a football-only collective that was launched on Monday by Kajana Carter, Mike Motti, and Chris Ganner. And it's important to discuss quickly before we get rolling on the game that it's truly a call to action um, and something that's taken place at every school across the country that's serious about winning championships. So If you have that same expectation for Penn State, the Lions Legacy Club is something that you need to consider supporting and definitely check out. I encourage you you to not only check it out yourself, but to pass it along to to any of the Penn Staters in your lives. And there's opportunity to contribute from as low as $5 a month to the club, which uh, has a 501c3 
tax exempt status. And uh, you can find them on Twitter at Lions Legacy Club or their website, lionslegacyclub.com. And we will put all the information for uh, Lions Legacy Club in the description of this podcast and on YouTube as well. So anybody that's interested in that can check it out. Mike, uh, you are joining us for a recap of Penn State's 46 to 10 win against the Ohio Bobcats, Penn State's home opener for the season. The two biggest takeaways from this game are two freshmen, running back Nick Singleton and quarterback Drew Aller, who came in in the middle of the third quarter. I want to start with Nick Singleton and especially the running game, the effort of the offensive line. You can speak to this. You were a starter predominantly in 2011 and 2012 for Penn State football. First of all, what did you think of Nick Singleton out there on the field today? I thought it was really exciting to see him get, get more carries even than he did last week. Obviously, that speed is something that, you know, we really haven't seen uh, from an explosive explosiveness perspective, you know, since, you know, Saquon Barkley left town. And, you know, I don't want to start too early with any anointings, but I think everybody's excited by that game changing ability uh, that he has. And then talking about the offensive line, uh, I think that there's a lot to build on here. Uh, I think it's a group that, you know, passes the eye test maybe for the first time um, more than ever under this staff. And, and there's a lot of good there, um, but also some places to build on as well. One thing that Matt McGloin has talked about on the show, especially recapping the, the Purdue game, was that pass protection looked good against Purdue. Um, not so much in, in this game. There were a, a lot of instances where Sean Clifford and Drew Aller, and we'll get to Drew in a moment, um, just appeared to be a little bit unsettled back there. A, a bunch of sacks given up, unfortunately, on Sean Clifford. Uh, what did you think about the pass protection from the offensive line? Yeah, I, I mean, you look at the stats, there's five sacks given up. I mean, in in, uh, in contrast, you know, only one by Penn State. And looking at that, I think there's, you know, plenty of, of uh, blame to put on on the offensive line. And, and some of those, you know, it's it's a mix of that and the backs. You know, some young guys in there, which you could see some some miscommunications and some uncertainty. But as far as just a game where you're looking to to build on on that progress as an offensive line uh there there was some some disappointing leaks and you know i, I thought really as, as we go uh into tempo whether it's the, the tail end of the purdue game which obviously ended up well um or even just points today it, it seems like sean clifford and, and maybe uh, drew aller as well seem to operate a, a little bit better get the ball out a little bit faster in that up tempo and you know there's one thing you can say as an offensive lineman is that it always makes you look better when you have a quarterback who's getting the ball out so uh, I think it's a mix of those two things. Just have to to be better up front, but also con continue to get the ball out and be efficient on offense with your operation. It did look like Sean Clifford at points holding onto the ball a little bit too long, um, just waiting for his receivers to come open. There have been struggles in the past for Penn State's uh, passing game in regards to playing against zone. Uh, with Sean Clifford, quite good against man, it can be a very different story. Unfortunately, um, focusing again on the offensive line. Uh, the running game, you know, Nick Singleton explodes for 10 carries, 179 yards, two touchdowns. Um, first 100-yard rusher for Penn State since November of 2020 when Kevon Lee did it against Michigan. So it is a milestone accomplishment. However, there is the concern that it wasn't necessarily uh, an effort by the offensive line of blowing Ohio off the ball consistently. It looked like a lot of plays where Singleton was just overcoming defenders from an inferior team. What did you see? Yeah, I saw some of that. And, you know, anytime you're, you can get that monkey off your back of uh, that hundred yard rusher. I think that's a huge thing to build on. I mean, you never know how close you are until you really get that done and where they can go from here, which is that keep pounding type of mentality. And, and I'll give you know Nick even more credit. There were some runs there um, 
that he did a great job of just hitting it, you know, really showing no hesitancy as a younger back, you know, looking, you know, not shying away from contact and, and getting upfield. But there were several other where, you know, the offensive line probably did a better job than the play showed, but there was a little hesitation on his part. And I see that as something that, you know, he'll overcome pretty quickly. I mean, the learning curve in, in college athletics and college football with these young players coming out of high school is just so quick and just look where he was from week one to week two. I think he could really build on that. So it's something that's definitely encouraging. And, and I, I like a lot of what I saw in the rushing game. We're going to get to Drew Aller here in just a second, but in regards to the running game, regardless of who's toting the rock, there were instances I mentioned of winning those one-on-one battles, you know, stiff arms, et cetera, getting past a defender for the running back alone. How do you think that's going to go against an SEC opponent in Auburn next week, and then especially when you pick up with Big Ten play in October? Yeah, totally. That's the big question mark that we're all itching to see. And I think as a group, it comes to, to really staying on schedule. You know, it, there's going to be runs out there, especially in any football game that's worth winning, where you're going to have no gain. You're going to have a one yard gain, um, but you have to stick with the game, with the run game. You have to, to keep pounding the rock and, and you have to stay after the defense. One thing that that it was discouraging to me as well is that we do have those plays where we get off schedule. We have, a, you know, a one a two a three yard loss um, from penetration. And when you, when you have that against the max school, um, it definitely gets your radar, your antennas up heading into an SEC matchup and then the Big Ten play afterwards. Which offensive lineman shined in your opinion today? Um, I was pretty excited uh, about uh, number 77, Sal Wormley. I thought, you know, he got out there obviously on the highlight reel block there for for Singleton's first long run. Um, But, you know, it maybe just wasn't that part of the play that I liked the most. You know, had a nice block, but he was the first guy down there celebrating with the running back. You know, that, that type of energy... Um, looking for that leader, you know, any good offense, any offense, everybody knows that the quarterback's the only guy in the talks in the huddle. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he's the only leader on the field. And if you're looking for an offensive line to develop mentality, uh, to, to find its leaders, you know, those things are a lot of times actions, not words. And that right there spoke a lot um, as far as his energy, you know, his willingness to, 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 to go all out to make that play, but also be the first guy down there to celebrate and, and have that hopefully rub off on the rest of the group. Uh, We mentioned that Drew Aller gets into the game with 11 minutes and 30 seconds left to play in the third quarter. Um, I was lobbying for on the recap of the Purdue game that you see him as early as the kickoff in the second half. But I was genuinely surprised to see him get in as early as he did. Granted, it was 26 to 7 at the time. So that's a three score gap. You feel pretty good about it. Um, But to see Drew get in there as much as he did and look as sharp as he did. So encouraging. What did you feel about this highly touted freshman? It's great to see a guy that's that young with that much poise. I mean, whether it was a play that broke down and, you know, he had to take a couple hits to get a few yards or somebody not making a catch for him. I just think that he wasn't rattled. He continued to step up in the pocket, something that I consider in in a very small sample size. I mean, I haven't seen any practice, so I've just seen the games that everybody out there that's listening has seen. Um, He really has has a uh, a knack for stepping up into pressure, for stepping up in the pocket, for getting rid of the ball. So I was really encouraged by that. I think his decision making, uh, it wasn't necessarily something to knock, but it needs to get a little bit faster. Um, it's something that needs to speed up, and and I think it will. You know, with with experience, it's it's a very small level, you know, small sample size that he's working with right now. And it's funny because uh, I was saying it a moment ago, Sean Clifford does have issues with holding onto the ball a little bit too often. There was even a touchdown pass by Sean Clifford to Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, If you remember that slant pattern over the middle, 
which he locked into his number one. And he's lucky that it's a Mac opponent and he zipped that thing in there and Tinsley held onto it, but the safety was crashing down. My concern is that against an Auburn or against a Big Ten opponent, that's a pick. So there's little right. things that Sean Clifford also needs to improve on in that respect. But it looks like Drew Aller has a really nice pedigree coming out. You heard the broadcasters talking about throughout the game, arm talent versus arm strength. He's got both. Um, I don't know if he's got the wheels for a QB draw. Um, I don't know if Sean Clifford has the wheels for QB draws. I'll be real honest. But at the same time, I don't want to see either of these guys get dinged up. So uh as an offensive lineman, when you know you've got a young quarterback uh, you know, standing there behind you, how does that make you feel? What worries crop up in your head? Uh, well, you just want to take shoulder as much of that load as possible. I mean, you know that the spotlight's going to be on him. You know that there's there's a lot going on. It's probably moving faster for him than a guy with more experience. So the, the cleaner you can keep his jersey, the more you can make him feel like you got his back. You know, if you are the guy that give up a sack, make sure you're not walking away from it when it happens. Make sure you're the first guy that picks him up off the ground, dusts him off, and pick him back up, not just physically, but mentally. So I think uh, we saw some of that throughout the day from the offensive line with both guys. But again, just talking about you know, what Sal did with his energy on that one play, that's something that they need to continue to build on just to build that identity and make that quarterback, regardless of who it is, a 24-year-old, six-year player in Clifford or, or an 18-year-old rosy red-cheeked freshman in Aller uh, feel as comfortable as possible because that's their job. Yeah, and, and I was happy to see Christian Veyer get in uh, late in the fourth quarter. I think he did just fine last year in this, the few opportunities he had as a backup, the Rutgers game especially, and had a guy like Drew Aller not showed up, Christian Veyer is your number two. Um, so I, I thought that was really nice to see him get in late in the game. Um, ultimately, in terms of throwing the football, Penn State had a very nice day, and they connected with 17 receivers on the day. That is an astounding number of pass catchers, ultimately 31 catches, 338 yards receiving for this core, plus three touchdowns, and only one drop, which is astonishing. Uh, when there's that many guys rotating in and out of the game, uh, what is your reaction? Because a lot of those guys were freshmen. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, one, it's a testament to the depth that they've been able to develop at that position. But also it's it's good. You know, it's something where the coaches deserve a lot of credit because it's easy to say every week in a, in a press conference or whatever it is leading up to the game that you want to play as many people as possible against, a, you know, a non-conference opponent. Um, but to really go out there and put your money where your mouth is and do it and not just have the guys out there on the field, but to perform like that uh, is, is definitely encouraging for the team. And you know what it means, especially when you're at Penn State rising up the ranks to eventually become a starter. So that's kind of what Drew Aller is experiencing right now. And maybe is that the reason that he had such a good connection with the twos, the threes, the fours, and of course, his fellow freshmen? Yeah, I mean, it, you can't you can't deny that whatsoever. I mean, you, you go back to Thursday night football with that NFL opener and you know the, the, the announcers were talking about just that connection being there. Um, between Allen Robinson and then uh, Stafford, Matt St Stafford, the quarterback for the Rams, just being a new thing versus some of the other receivers that he's had over the year. And if those are the guys that he's connecting with, you know, not just in preseason camp, but these guys throw every, you know, all year round, then that, that's definitely something that could contribute to that success. And uh, we've had Allen Robinson right here on Pater. We're big fans of Allen Robinson. I'm sure things are going to improve in Los Angeles for A-Rob. Um, coming back to uh, Drew Aller, you know, you see a little bit of him uh, against Purdue. You see a good amount of him here in the second half against Ohio. 
I would imagine going into Auburn, of course, Sean Clifford's your starter. Um, and of course, it's probably going to be a similar circumstance to what you saw against Purdue in that, hey, if Sean gets injured, uh, he is injury prone, unfortunately, then that's when Aller comes into the game. But how do you feel about the quarterback position entering that game uh, next weekend against the Tigers? Yeah, I think I can speak for pretty much all Penn State fans going back to last season and you know the, the issues that we had with backups um, early in the year, middle of the year, just to look at where we are now, you know, Oof. there's a, it's just a totally night and oh day God, situation. Yeah. So just to have three guys, I mean, I, I even love, like you were saying, Bayer, when he's in the game, there's still, you know, he's a talented guy. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He also has that energy where he's going to keep the offense moving. You know, one of the things, if you're asking for per, per, perspective uh, from an offense alignment or anybody on the offense who's not the quarterback, when you get that guy who walks into the huddle, and all the eyes in the huddle are on him, and you know that there's still 100,000 eyes behind you that are on him, and there's national TV and all that. If you can look at a guy and you can hear it in his voice and you can see it in his mannerisms and feel it in his energy, that he's ready to go, that's massive. So just the contrast from last year to this year, not only having one, but what I would say two guys that can get in there and you can feel like you can go to war with is pretty exciting. Well, there's that. There's the pressure of national TV. There's the pressure of all the uh, fans there at Beaver Stadium. But... The more you see Aller, the more you see the success of Aller, the more you might think someone like Christian Veyer or Bo Perbula may not be a Penn State in the Lion in 2023. So it isn't necessarily just playing for your teammates, the crowd, the national TV audience. It's playing for another school. It's playing for another offensive coordinator and analyst that's taking a look at your tape and thinking about grabbing you in the transfer portal. And now, granted, I love Veyer. I like that he can do some things down the line, but clearly there's some huge promise with Drew Aller and there's promise with Bo Perbula. So in a perfect world, you keep everybody on campus and you know what it's like in 2011, 2012 guys are leaving for a variety of different reasons and guys are coming for different reasons as well. Um, How do you manage that within the locker room, knowing that a guy unfortunately might not be here next year? Well, it's just a totally different landscape other than that small anecdote, like you mentioned, the 2012, which was unprecedented in college football with the opportunity to leave. And these coaches, I I just feel for them. I can't imagine what their world is like. You know, they do the best they can to manage these situations. And some people pull it off and and some some people don't, you know, and it's case by case. And you wonder if there's ever, you know, a perfect uh, roadmap to to do so. But I think the big thing is you got to have from the player's perspective, you got to be ready to go because it isn't the old school adage of you could get on campus, you work hard for two or three years, and then you get your shot. You know, you got to be ready to go now. And if you're not, that chance is going to pa- that chance is going to pass you by. And from a coaching perspective, you know, you just got to make your decision, put your foot in the ground, get north and south, and, and make a decision with certain guys because in the end of the day, it's not going to be perfect, and you're not going to get to keep everybody. But you have to build your team and give yourself the best chance to win every week. Staying with the quarterbacks here, and I do want to get to special teams and, of course, the defense uh, and and their performance against Ohio here in just a moment. But um, when it comes to Sean Clifford and Drew Aller, do you expect to see a similar platooning of these two for the Central Michigan game, which is the last game in September? I know there is no preseason in college football. However, if you're scheduling Ohio and Central Michigan in the month of September, you know what you're doing and you're trying to get your team ready. You've played in those types of games. What's the mentality when you're trying to maybe evaluate a little bit? Yeah, the the idea is just to not only for the quarterbacks that you're coming in here when you're in, whether you start the game or you get in early and you're playing meaningful snaps that you're, you're, you're number one, um, that you're the starter, that you're handling it like that. But it's also 
getting that mindset across to the rest of your offense. And when those, when, when the, regardless of who the quarterback is that's in the game, that the supporting cast has that same mentality that we're trying to give a one, a quarterback effort for whoever is in there, regardless of which guy, because we're going to find out what gives us the best chance to win. And, and that's something that's really important to take advantage of in games like that. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball every fan is covered head over to their website smackapparel.com and use the promo code paydirt at checkout for 10 percent off again that's smackapparel.com promo code paydirt at checkout why wear boring when you can wear smack flat should describe your tv not your tv sound experience your entertainment like never before with the new sonos ray this compact and easy to use soundbar puts you at the center of shows movies games and more with crisp highs and precisely balanced bass breeze through setup with help from the sonos app you can even use your own remote for control and when the tv is off stream music radio podcasts and audiobooks from all your favorite services visit sonos.com that's s-o-n-o-s.com to learn more personally i hope we see a lot of drew aller against central michigan uh central michigan uh did not have a good outing against south alabama this week from what i understand i haven't seen the final score on it but i know it wasn't pretty so that could be an easier outing than what penn state dealt with today in terms of ohio ohio who to their credit will do well in the mac this season um i want to talk about special teams with you and obviously um there's some change at just about every position uh, on special teams you've got a uh, new kick returner new punt returner uh new kick a uh, new on kickoffs new kicker new punter like, everything is new um new um spe- special teams coordinator stacy collins looks to have made some progress with this because it's been a little stagnant the last few years and it's nothing against the players that have been put back there on return duty, a la Jahan Dotson or KJ Hamler, but the production just has not been there. Seeing Nick Singleton return kicks, we talked about Saquon Barkley, reminiscent of Saquon Barkley, uh, and then also Parker Washington looks like he's be- destined to break one this year as the punt returner. Uh, what do you feel about the production there from the special teams? Yeah, I mean, if we're just going to focus on uh, returning, you know, for this comment, I, I think it's something that I was excited about today and, and have been just the, the lack of mistakes. You know, it's just, you have to take care of the football, you know, whether you're carrying it or you're receiving it on special teams. I mean, that's the hopes and dreams of the football team. So when Parker Washington's back there, you know, I feel like he's as sure-handed as anyone, um, to, you know, not only get you a gain and a run after the catch, but just to take care of that football. And that's huge. And, uh, and, and with the speed, as we mentioned, having something game breaking in there with Singleton uh, is definitely, you know, I think puts us on the, on the up and up uh, when it comes to our return game. I'd be curious to see how much longer Singleton's the return guy, just because the, and it's not that he's not doing well. It's just that he's doing so well as the, as the running back that you may not want him put him back there and risk him getting hurt. Um, I talked about, uh, you know, kickers and punters last year. That was one person that was Jordan Stout, Jordan Stout, uh, an exceptional punter 
uh, and is playing on Sundays now and not exactly the greatest kicker ever. Now you get Barney Amore in as the punter, and Barney Amore looks really, really good. I think that's got to be something for you as an offensive lineman, knowing that he's going to drill this thing inside the five and that ball is going to die. It's just a lot less longer for you to have to run. And it's, <laughs> and it's a guy like Malik Magos running down there and look great on special teams against Ohio. Um, just how much of a boost is that for you as an offensive lineman or just an offensive player knowing we can turn the field in a heartbeat? Yeah, it's, it's, it's big. I mean, there's no worse feeling than going three and out as an offense or, or really failing to move the ball and throwing your defense right back out there. And the only thing that really can make it worse is, is when you give them that with, with bad field position. So when you have a guy back there that can just boom it, I mean, he had a fantastic punt last week. He had a fantastic punt this week. I think, you know, he's obviously a new guy. He's, he's a diamond in the rough and, and if he continues the, the rest of the season like he has these first two games, I think Penn State's very, very lucky and fortunate to have him. So that's a big thing, something I'm excited about. Now, taking over the kicking duties for this season is Jake Pinneger, who's been a part of the program for a few years. Last year, I was one that was lobbying for him to get out there and be uh, the consistent kicker for this team because Jordan Stout um, was about 67% in terms of his accuracy on field goals. Not ideal. And again, as I said, Stout, a great punter, not necessarily the best kicker ever. Here's the issue is that Jake Pinneger last year was dubbed very late in the season, by the way, the quote short range kicker by James Franklin and saying that Jordan Stout was the long range kicker. Last year, James Franklin was on the record saying that that line of delineation between Pinneger being in or Stout being in was a 42 yard field goal. Ironic. Fast forward to Ohio, Jake Pinneger's missed field goal today, he was one of two, was from exactly 42 yards. So it does make you concerned. There was also a missed PAT uh, in regards to what Penn State can do in the kicking game in a pinch. And also something, Mike, and I'm curious what you think of this, is that the fourth down and short management by James Franklin, when the ball is between Penn State's 40 and the opponent's 30-yard line, it's been a grab bag. It's not necessarily been fantastic either. And some of that play calling last year, you could understand Mike Yurcich did not have the uh, weapons that he has at his disposal this year. So you can see already in the game against Ohio and Purdue that Yurcich has more options when he's calling plays. And now maybe with Pinnegar being very short range in terms of let's say 40 yards is his max to be really accurate. Now you really have to expect that Penn State's going to go for it on fourth and short in that space of the field. Uh, when you saw this and you see Penn State go for these fourth down and short attempts in that territory, how does it make you feel? I think it's something that you have to have confidence in doing. And I think this early in the season, it's it's a little premature to to really label you know how we're operating because there's so many things to go into those decisions. You know, it's how are the kickers kicking? I mean, just through two games. You know, how are we punting the football? How are the quarterbacks playing? How's the offensive line playing? What does our opponent look like? You know, do some of the four decisions to go for it on fourth down, do those happen if you're playing, you know, a Big Ten team? Do they happen if you're playing Auburn at Auburn next week? So those are a lot of things uh, to look at. But at the end of the day, one thing I always say is that every f football game worth winning comes down to a third and one or a fourth and one. So if you don't feel like you have, you know, the, the offensive line in the backs to get you one yard when it counts, that's something to be discouraged by. And I feel like for the first time in, in several years, there's, there's a confidence, there's a belief that these guys can get that done. So I'm encouraged and, and I'm excited, excited to see where it goes and, and how things change as the situations change. 
a lot of time left in the season for Pinnaker to settle into that role. So not not jumping to too many conclusions. Let's right. talk about the defense. And I want to start with the defensive line because, frankly, you must have interacted with a ton of people like this over the years. <laughs> As a starting offensive tackle from Penn State, you understand a variety of athletes. So the defensive line looked good. Um, I don't want to jump to conclusions to say that they looked excellent or that they look bad. Um, I believe the only singular talent who can win a one-on-one battle or even just an individual battle outside of a scheme is Chop Robinson, number 44, the defensive end. And that's nothing against the remainder of the players along the defensive line. I thought Hakeem Beeman was active. I thought Deny Dennis Sutton was getting involved. PJ Mustafer, of course. Kobe King from linebacker spot also looked good. But this defensive line is not necessarily loaded with guys a la Arnold Ebiketti from last year where he could just win without any sort of stunt or blitz behind him. This Manny Diaz defense is loaded with all sorts of different blitzes, stunts, etc. And that's how Penn State got most of their pressure. How did you feel about what the front seven of Penn State was able to put on Ohio today? Yeah, this this is a big thing that I was interested in, in coming into the game, pretty much number two behind uh, the offensive line play and probably right in front of other quarterbacks is uh, I just feel like the, the same thing, you know, number 44, Chop Robinson, he, he he flashed last week. I feel like he was able to build upon that this week. Um, and he's really the the main guy that I see is, is having the potential, you know, he hasn't done it yet but to be a game-changing pass rusher. And, and if and if you're going to be in big-time games, you have to have a guy to get to the quarterback in the same way that Epichetti was last year. Um, I thought Mustafer coming back from his injury, I mean, he held that thing together, that that defensive line in a lot of senses, a uh, run, run defense last year until he got hurt and his absence was just glaring. So to see him out there, to see him look good, move well, um, was, was, was a cool thing. Um, and then number 11, Abdul Carter, you know, just a, a young guy that I thought was around the ball constantly. But I was really looking to see how they stood up against the run because they really didn't get tested against Purdue last week with the rate they were throwing the football. So in the first half, a lot of encouraging things you know, until that last Ohio possession of the first half where they were able to drive the field, convert some first downs, run the football. Um, and, and then moving on to the second half, you know, I never really feel like they picked up to that same level. So, you know, you get the, the, the backups and the, the twos and the threes in there at some point early. So it's not like it was a sustained theme for the, the second half. But that was one thing where I, I still have a question mark and I still really want to see them build um, on that and, and how they stack up against tougher tests down the road. One of the issues against Purdue, and it did crop up in this game against Ohio, it looked better. But ta- uh, tackling, what did you think about the tackling from the Penn State defense? Uh, I mean, I guess it's just it. You know, they go as the tackling goes in a lot of a lot of sense. Like where, where they were able to to corral and really stymie that Ohio offense in the first half, it was you know satisfactory to, to my you know in my opinion. But uh, you know, when they got those breaks, there, there were the missed tackles and the inability to get pressure. I think is um, something to comment on as well. You know, Coach Diaz, I love the fact that he wanted to go after it. I mean, he brought pressure at first. I was keeping a tally of of how many of those third downs he was bringing pressure on. Um, but it just seemed to be so common, you know, I, I just chalked it up as, as a theme for the game, not really, you know, a number that you need on it, but only having one sack, really not being able to get home. You know, if you're going to do that, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, you have to get home. And if you can't do it against Ohio, you really got to come in next week and just really build on that and continue to, you know, they have young guys, especially at that linebacker position to really continue to work their, their, uh, their talent and their ability as pass rushers and try and build on that. Cause you know, later in the season, those guys are going to have to get there. 
Uh, in regards to Manny Diaz's scheme, do you expect to see kind of the point total that Penn State allowed against Purdue to be a consistent theme throughout this season? Two, two small samples, deferring to too small a sample size, too early to tell, you know, um, it's just going to be something that we wait and see. I'm not going to jump to any conclusions on that. I, I think that, you know, they're, they're definitely going to have the ability for splash plays, for game-changing plays, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they won't be sound on the back end and be able to, to keep things tightened up and wrapped up uh, and really just play, you know, not only solid defense from a playmaking perspective, but in a points allowed and, and yards allowed perspective as well. And for the most part, to your point, Penn State does keep it very, very tight on the back end. This is an outstanding secondary. Um, I want to talk about something from the Purdue game is that it was uh, highly touted that Aiden O'Connell coming into that game um, had a 72% completion percentage last season, the best ever recorded by a Purdue quarterback. And granted, guys like Drew Brees, Kyle Orton, Curtis Painter came through that program. Very impressive. He was held to about a 50% completion percentage against Penn State. He got about 360 yards passing, but ultimately did not kill the Penn State defense. Flash, flash forward to this game against Ohio. Now you've got Curtis Rourke out there. Curtis Rourke, who is no slouch and is a very good quarterback, even though you can say, well, he plays in the MAC. It's still a very good quarterback. And uh, yes, their week one win was against FAU. So we're putting everything into perspective. But in that week one win against FAU, Rourke completed 79% of his passes, 364 yards. He was outstanding. In this game against Penn State, he was held to 47% completion percentage, and he was pulled late in the game. I don't believe necessarily because he was playing so badly. It wasn't the best stats, obviously, as I just mentioned, but they were trying to get a backup in there, and they're thinking long-term about more reasonably winnable games for them within the MAC. To see that in back-to-back -back games, you talk about, eh, it might be a little too early to jump to conclusions, but... To see that you can hold a quarterback to about a 50% completion percentage, that is outstanding for this secondary. You've got to feel good about that. Yeah, I think it's exciting. And, you know, they're really setting, you know, a new standard in a lot of ways as far as the depth and the talent in, in the secondary at Penn State. And I think it's something to be excited about. I was down at that uh, Music City Bowl win that that Purdue had last year uh, over Tennessee and just to see the quarterback really just change the game really bring them back into it and win it was something that had you know was on my mind all offseason leading up to this opener and you know they just have a, an awesome level of competitiveness um, and spirit and, and grit that I think you know and talent you know can't 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 short them that uh, that the, the defense is going to lean on, you know, throughout the year. And, and if we can get the front seven kind of up to speed, it's just a lot of young guys. I think guys with a lot of potential. If we can lean on, on those guys in the back end, then the, there's a lot of potential for this defense. And it's an exciting time for many DS. And it was kind of the point I was trying to make is that can you live with giving up a handful of points and a handful of touchdowns every game, knowing that your secondary is ultimately going to have you covered it, it might be a little bit too early to talk about that again, as you mentioned, because in the Purdue game, Penn State, had it not been for bad clock management by Purdue, nearly lost that game. But ultimately, Sean Clifford drives Penn State down the field and they they pull it out there with that last minute touchdown drive. Um, th there's some things that make you feel really good about this defense and other things where you're like, eh, we could get into some shootouts. It could right. go either way. Yeah, um, to totally, totally potential for that this season. And and, uh, it, you know, just if you have that last line of defense is, is one thing that if you're going to pick and choose what you have on defense, you know, everybody's happy to have that. I, 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 I've never been a defensive coordinator, but I can speak for them that you know, they sleep better at night knowing that 
they have those guys in the back end um, versus a younger group or, or a, a more inexperienced group or a less talented group. Mm-hmm. So Penn State improves to 2-0 and here, first two weeks of the season. You go on the road, you beat Purdue, you come back and you play your first home game and you beat Ohio U. As I mentioned, you know, you've experienced these Septembers where you, you know, probably when you were playing and it's maybe evolved more over the last 10 years, um, that September calendar has gotten more and more difficult for these top flight football programs. And you see less and less of the quote unquote cupcake uh, cupcake games in September. However, you've played in enough of these games, these very winnable games against smaller conference opponents. How much can you take away from this for your individual unit and for a team? Against an opponent like today? I mean, I think that there's a lot that can be taken away from it. You just get experience uh, for these guys that probably aren't going to get the chance. I mean, you alluded to it earlier when we, when we got on Auburn next week. It's not going to be the same flexibility to get some of these guys, not even just the quarterback, but you know all these receivers with the opportunity to catch passes and, and younger guys on the team to get out there. So, you know, that's a huge thing, uh, a huge asset to take advantage of that I feel like Penn State has done so far this year. Um, but ultimately, you know, the positives you got to take with a grain of salt, and the negatives maybe they get magnified um, because of who the opponent is. And in this case, you know, this early in the season, that's okay. You know, we're, we're not really obviously in the business of moral victories. So if uh, you, you feel like you could have done better uh, against an opponent that wasn't up to snuff, then that's a good thing. Uh, and the coaches, I'm sure, will put the pressure on those guys to come back and get better in those areas. And if they're able to pull it off against better uh, competition, then that's what it's all about. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt15, paydirt15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. In regards to better competition, Penn State will get back into Big Ten play by October 1st and on. That'll be a game against Northwestern that will continue on. From the performances you've seen against Purdue and Ohio, how do you feel about Penn State for the remainder of their Big Ten slate? Because October is going to be rough. Yeah, it's it's going to be wild. And I think that uh, it'll be a good, good tough matchup against the Wildcats, uh, a good opener. You know, obviously that a lot of us saw overseas a couple weeks ago and, and then had a setback today. Um, but I think that's always a tough game. That's a team that, that you know, this program definitely respects it. And, but, but, it's, but it's a must win going into that rest of that uh, October slate and the rest of the Big Ten slate. So, you know, whether it's uh, the Minnesota game, which is going to be a fun one, you know, white out homecoming deal um, or Ohio State game the week after that. You know, you want to be in a league iron sharpens iron where you're getting tested every week and then you come out on top. So, um we got our, our month of September, you know, next week's going to be a tough road trip, but uh, it's really time to buckle up. Yeah. Next week at SEC opponent Auburn, um, as a former player, when SEC gets thrown up there, does that bother you all that much? Or is it just, Hey, it's another week. I think for the most part, it's another week. I mean, you know, I remember even being a freshman, you know, I wasn't even, I was redshirted. I wasn't even playing, but we were going out to play USC in the Rose bowl and it was all, you know, SC speed, you know, USC speed, that's all the conversation. And uh, as, a, as an athlete, as these guys on the team, you know, they're looking at it as it's another week, you know, there's guys on the other side of the ball that get paid too. Um, and maybe there's a little bit more motivation in the fact that, uh, 
you want to go out there when people get in that conference, that conversation of, you know, this conference versus that conference, you definitely want to pull your own weight, you know, when you go down there and you get a chance to, to come away with a win, um, not just for the university, but from one conference to another. In regards to Auburn specifically, quarterback TJ Finley, uh, not the most accurate passer that ever lived. Um, he is a, a good athlete. He is a big body who can make things complicated, especially when he runs the ball. Um, Auburn has made a living off of being a very good running team. Penn State got a, a firsthand experience of that last year at Beaver Stadium, ultimately pulled out the win. It was Bo Nix, a quarterback at the time. Uh, this is an Auburn team that consistently sends offensive linemen to the National Football League and peppered throughout their defense are guys that are going to play in the NFL. Um, there's a lot of speed. You have to see what kind of discipline that they're going to play with on defense. But now that you've seen these first two games, uh, an early feel going into the Auburn game, what do you think? I'm just most excited about it. I think that that fans really should be excited about this test because, as you're saying, the way that they stack up on offensive and defensive lines, those are two of our biggest question marks as we're having this conversation. And as people talk about this team you know, leading up to the year and through the first two games, you know, if we're able to to really control the ball on offense, not have those negative plays, stay on schedule, maybe impose our will a little bit towards the end of the game, you can come away from that. You know, building on this week is a hundred yard rusher for the first time. You know, that that's some momentum. That's something to be proud of. That's something to hang your hat on. And then from a defensive perspective, you know, as I mentioned, I wanted to see how we stacked up today after not really getting tested against the run last week. And we still have some question marks about playing a full 60 minutes against the run. I think we get a lot of questions answered next week uh, against Auburn as well and the way that they attempt to run the football on us and, and how we start, how we stop it. Yeah, there will be a test <laughs> at Auburn. Um, Penn State plays on the road at Auburn this coming Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. It'll be live on CBS. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. As we mentioned, Matt McGloin has been covering uh, Purdue versus Indiana State this weekend for the Big Ten Network, so he's not able to join us, but he will be back for a preview episode of the game for Penn State against Auburn. And, of course, I encourage everybody to check out the Lions Legacy Club, and all their information is going to be in the description of this show you can check them out on twitter and uh, check them out online as well so mike thank you so much for joining us here on pater and again penn state will be at auburn this coming saturday at 3 30 p.m eastern live thank you all so much for joining us we'll be back on espn radio state college on mondays and fridays from 4 p.m to 5 p.m eastern for the remainder of the penn state football season if you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the believe network this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.